0: The letter of Paul to Philemon. Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved fellow worker, and Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and the church in your house. Grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers. Because I hear of your love and the faith that you have towards the Lord Jesus and for all the saints. And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. For I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. Accordingly, though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required... But I preferred to do nothing without your consent, in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion, but by your own accord. For this perhaps is why he was parted from you for some time, that you might have him back forever, no longer as a bondservant, but more than the bondservant, as a beloved brother, especially to me. But how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord? So if you consider me your partner, receive him As you would receive me. If he has wronged you at all or owes you anything. Charge that to my account. I Paul write this with my own hand. I will repay it. To say nothing of your owning me. Even your own self. Yes brother I want some benefit from you. In the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience. I write to you. Knowing that you will do even more than I say. At the same time, prepare a guest room for me, for I am hoping that through your prayers I will be graciously given to you. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ, sends greetings to you, and so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. One thing is uh, certain. We all... Wants harmony imagine what the world would be like if people just got on with one another what a wonderful place that would be to live in if you think about all of the things that cause you distress this week it's probably at some point related to people falling out people not getting on with one another difficulties um, when I was looking at uh, the Jubilee celebrations and the big concert they put on, um, you sort of have a think, don't you, of what is being presented, what is being celebrated, obviously in the Queen's reign, um, but I realised actually at every big gathering, where well, we're talking big, like thousands, hundreds of thousands of people at football games, events, Glastonbury this weekend, What is the one word that keeps on getting churned out about that thing? What, What do people say, oh, it's such a wonderful thing, that this demonstrates? Unity. Unity. Okay? That seems to be the thing that we want. And so therefore, whenever we can sort of say, well, everyone is together, even if it's only for the same love of a musician... Or you know, just for a short time, momentary, we want to say that is great. We want to say that is unity. And yet, is it? Is it real unity? Does it well, okay, let's ask two questions. Is it unity that lasts? No. It's tied, isn't it? Conditional on the moment, conditional on what people want to do in that moment, how they want to spend their time. it's, it doesn't work. it looks like unity but because it doesn't go the distance it's not real unity it doesn't bring people close for any for any length of time really and it's pretty conditional isn't it it's uh, it's based on what you what you prefer that's how the unity comes together it's a consequence of what people, people's preference rather than anything drawing people together, unite, you know bringing people close and creating a bond that can't be broken it just certainly doesn't unite all people does it <laughs> because people don't like the green well guess what, they, not, they don't experience that unity or people don't like that football team or that musician they don't experience that unity so if we want this thing called unity, this thing called harmony where is it going to come from because we can talk it up all day long we can say whenever there's a big gathering of people uh, that's unity, that's harmony that's the perfect world but if it's not real if it's all just surface deep where are we going to get this unity from what can truly unite people, what can truly bind people together with love that lasts Well, in this tiny little letter that you probably, like me, even though you were looking for it, struggled to find it, (laughs) because it's so so hard to find, Um, you know, in tucked away in this tiny little letter is really is dynamite, and it's the answer to that question: what can bring about a unity that lasts, a unity that's real between people who are so. Opposed and so distant and so different and yet here they are together and we're going to look at it together and we're going to look at it uh, so, uh, in, in a few different sections um, but briefly under those three sections um, in verses 4 to 7 we're going to look at Paul's prayer in this letter um, in verses 8 to 16 we're going to look at Paul's approach and his appeal what does he actually ask for does he prays but what does he actually ask this particular person for in verses 8-16 and then we're going to look at what Paul's confidence rests on where his confidence is is it in the guy he's writing to that he will do something that's wonderful or is it in someone else to do that work And so we're going to look at it together um, first of all then, uh, Paul's prayer. Um, Paul's prayer in verses four uh, to seven. Let's read it together. Paul says to Philemon, this is an individual letter. It was read publicly in the church, as was the book the letter of the Colossians. But this is a letter that was read to the church, and it's entitled to one man sitting there. He's an, a master, someone who can own it. Employer, Paul says, I thank my God, uh, Philemon, always when I remember you in my prayers, because I hear of your love and of the faith that you have towards the Lord Jesus and for all the saints, and I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ, for I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. So you see, so verse 4 is Paul thanking God for something that's already happening and he can see evidence of in Philemon's life. He then refers back to that in verse 7 because he says it's actually been of comfort and joy to me to hear of your love and how you have refreshed other Christians and you've encouraged them in their walk with Jesus. And then in the middle is his prayer. So verse 6, it says, and I pray, what does it say? That the sharing of your faith may become effective. This sharing of your faith is it's probably easier to understand it as fellowship of the faith. So Paul's saying, I pray that the fellowship of your faith becomes effective. Effective for what? Do we not just sort of have faith and that sort of it? Well no, Paul's saying those who have faith, it will have an effect. Mm-hmm. And it will become effective each time there is a circumstance that requires it. And Paul's saying actually there is one particular circumstance, one particular moment, and the thing that he's drawing to Fileyman's attention, where he's praying that his fellowship of his faith will become effective for that good thing. That's what he says. Um, For the full knowledge of every good thing. Not just the things you've done in the past, Philemon, which I thank God for and I can see God's work in your life. But I'm praying that it would become effective for this good thing, which I'm just about to speak to you about. What's, it, what's, it, what's his appeal? What's, what's his approach and his appeal? Um, well, let's look down at that in verses 8 to 16. <clears throat> and let's read it together. Let's read just up to uh, verse ten. Eight 10 Accordingly, though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required, yet for love's sake I prefer to appeal to you. I, Paul, an old man and now a prisoner also for Christ Jesus, I appeal to you for my child Inissimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. We've had the names at the start. Uh, it's a group of people who meet in a house church in Colossi. Philemon was one of those guys. And the letter is to him. Well, now we have mention of another person. Who? Anissimus. Anissimus. Mm-hmm. This name drop, honestly, uh, if you were there in Colossi when this letter was read, like, people would... Have <clears throat> hmm. As soon as his name was read. What? Anissimus. They would have known <laughs> who this is talking about. Yeah. And this is no small thing that you know he's now talking about this guy, Anisimus. And also he says they sent him to him in verse twelve. Anissimus should have been a loyal worker. He should have been someone who'd done what he was paid to do and within Philemon's household. And yet, because he didn't know Christ, he didn't bother. And not only did he perhaps create uh, quite a lot of aggro for Philemon while he was there, he also added insult to the injury by by running away. Mm. Think of the difficulty and the upset and the inconvenience and the loss of income and everything that would have affected his household and his livelihood to the house of runaway slave. Anismus up and went. And he ran to Rome where he met Paul. And Paul got the opportunity to share the gospel with Anismus. And he was cut to the heart, convicted of his sin. And he was saved. believed in the Lord Jesus Christ and he was saved. Mm-hmm. And Paul said, Oh, you're from Glossy, right? Okay, uh, do you know guy from the Fire? And as soon as he said the name, you know, Anismus yeah I, I was in Friday in this household and I've done an awful thing I ran away and Paul says not oh you know that was your old life don't worry about that turn over a New Leaf this is your Christian life now in Christ just start again he didn't say that he said fine this this is going to be massively difficult this is going to be quite embarrassing for you can be a hard thing for you to do, but it's so important for your discipleship, for your walk with Jesus, that you go back. That you got it because God has humbled you before Him. You can also be humbled before your brother, and it will be so good for you, listeners to realise that there is forgiveness—not just from God in your relationship with God, but forgiveness from each other, unity. God brings us together as we sing about that song. It's all one and the same thing. It happens at the same time. So you don't get people who are saved and in right relationship with God who are just unattached (laughs) to any other Christians. You get people who are saved into a family for each other, united, reconciled with one another. And in order for for Anisimus to to learn that in his early days as a Christian, Paul sends him back. Or says, you know, I'm telling you, that's, that's the right thing to do. Actually, I've got a letter, why don't you take it? And in walks, with, with the letter to Colossians, um, in walks Philemon, holding the letter. And Paul's, no, sorry, Philemon's draw drops. Not only did he not expect to ever see him again, let's be honest, yeah, well, not with these guys, not with Paul's friends. What's going on? And here Paul is saying, whatever I'm going to ask you to is going to be concerning And I'm not going to command you to do it because, in order for your faith to become effective, it cannot be something that, I com- that has compulsion. That you're strong, you know, tw- your arms twisted to do it. It has to be a willing. Thing. Paul knows that faith the eff- effectiveness of faith is something that at the end of the day plays with our choices and our attitudes and those kind of things and it's better by far that our attitudes and our choices are changed are formed and reformed by the Lord Jesus and if Paul says you have to you, you know, not taking any arguments you're going to have to do this But that's just not going to be faith is it it's going to be fear fear of Paul perhaps guilt that he has to do it Paul says I want your faith to become effective in this particular good thing and I'm just going to appeal to you Paul's you know of all the people who could say mate I'm the apostle this is what you have to do do it. He doesn't do that, does he? Mm. I mean, it is a pretty good model for church leadership because, you know, this is a guy who did have all of the authority under Jesus to command, but he chooses instead, for love's sake, he says, and to promote love in Philemon's heart for listeners, and to promote the love that Paul has for Philemon rather than just this kind of submission for love's sake, I prefer to appeal to you, uh, foremost child Anissimus. Obviously, Anissimus is not his actual son, <laughs> but it's his spiritual son, because Paul shared the gospel with him, and he was saved. So, Paul's approach is not pushy, it's tender, it's fatherly, it's not presuming in verses 13 to 14. Anismus uh, is pretty useful to me now, he's been serving me here, and I can hold on to him. And not that you know about him. <laughs> that would actually be quite beneficial for me. But I'm not going to. I'm going to give you the choice. If that's what you want to do. But of your own accord he says in verse 14. So it's not presuming. Um, and he says. Will you see God's hand in this? So if you look with me. Um, in verses 15-16. We're we'll just going to finish this point on this one. 15, 16, for this is perhaps why he was parted from you for a while, that you might have him back forever. No longer as a bondservant, but more than a bondservant, as a beloved brother, especially to me. But how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. Paul's point is to just suggest to find him and please see God's hand in this. It's not normal. It's not that Onesimus has just walked in your door. That must be the hand of God. Will you see God's hand in this? What God has done here? And if it's his purpose, that he was, though he was separated to pass from you for a while, that he might be your not no longer your servant, but your brother. Mm-hmm. Beloved brother in Christ, in the Lord. Wow. Pretty powerful stuff we were talking weren't we at the start about harmony Mm -hmm. unity things that will bring people together here you have a disgraced runaway slave and a master who has been wronged I mean socially in terms of their status now everything they are opposed from one another you would not have these people in the same room that's the, that's the pub for disgraced slaves over there. That's the pub for uh, wealthy uh, merchants over there. You know, that's the street you live in if you're a disgraced slave. That's the streets you live in if you're a wealthy businessman. You think segregation, right? Mm. Socially. Financially. Criminally. <laughs> this guy is a criminal. And yet here you have and being brought together mm-hmm. that is powerful isn't it yes. like try try and find something else that will do that what? look around and try and find something else and come back and say that I found something else that will do that it's poker or it's uh, this particular football team or it's this music or this, this uh, way of life this mantra on how to live it does really bring unity that lasts. It may look like it's gathering people, but it's not bringing unity. This is powerful fellowship that only God's gospel and God's Son can bring about. And uh, the reason we have the letter, by the way, is because the appeal was answered, it was responded to. It actually did what it needed to do. God himself did work in Philemon's heart so that when the words of truth from a brother came to him he received them. That's truth. That's what's best. And that is a wonderful thing because we wouldn't have the letter, would we? Thank you. If it had all got pear-shaped um, the letter would not have been <laughs> I'm sure it would have been Philemon himself would have torn it up. <laughs> Oh, what are you going on about, but it's here because we because these brothers have been united together. So his appeal is there in verses seventeen. Uh, verse 17. Let's read, read just read seventeen. So if you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. That's simply Paul's appeal. Receive Venisimus as you would receive me. No different. With, with no favouritism, with no begrudgingness, or just receive him. Imagine, like Paul says, this is the verse, in verse 22 Prepare a guest room for me, um, for I'm hoping that your prayers. Okay, so Philemon's been praying that Paul would come. And here is an instance, and Paul says, Treat him as you would if I. If it be me who'd come to visit. Give the guest room to Anisimus. Because he is your beloved brother, as am I. No difference. That is amazing, isn't it? And it's amazing that God can work in finding his heart. Not just uh, at the point of receiving the gospel, humbling him to see his need of Jesus, and to see how he can be reconciled with God and with others. At that moment, but it's at work all the way through his life. His faith is becoming effective in different things. And, and as and when these um, circumstances come about. Verse 21, what is Paul's confidence? What well, Paul says in verse 21, Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. Is Paul's confidence in Philemon? I, I don't think it is No. I don't think Paul would say confident I'm writing confidently if it depended on Philemon and how he felt that day I think Paul's confidence is God that God will work in Philemon that God, God will help Philemon to do what he needs to do even though it's going to cost him even though it's going to be difficult that this forgiveness is going to come flowing through the cross to Phileas and out through uh, to Onesimus as well Um, so that's uh, this wonderful thing that God does he reconciles us to him but at the same time in exactly the same motion he reconciles us to one another Uh, Paul talks about does not he about the dividing wall of hostility between Jews and Gentiles ethnically you can't get much more opposed what they eat what they wear what languages they speak you know their practices <laughs> they hated each other <laughs> you know you just have to read about them, the Samaritans and that kind of thing and how the disciples even reacted to those people and to hear how opposed they are and yet Paul says in the Gospel of Romans doesn't he that um, the dividing wall of hostility has been brought down That's that's been abolished by the cross. There's now no Jew-Gentile. There's no slave-free. And we are all one in Christ. So, uh, the Christian life, your Christian life, if you are a Christian, becomes effective as we willingly demonstrate this kind of unity with one another. Willingly. Not coercively, not because we've said in the secondary church we want to trust in God love each other and tell others about Jesus it's not because it's on the screen or because it's enforced but it's because it's willing because of what Jesus has done for us and he has done that for others and as we love each other that way because he loves them that's our motivation isn't it it's not that I feel love towards you or you feel love towards me this I know that Jesus died for you. And you know that Jesus died for me. And because you know what it's like to have Jesus die for you, and how wonderful the thing that is, you can know how Jesus feels about me and what he's done for me. And if that doesn't make us want to love one another, serve one another, then nothing else will. Mm-hmm. But praise God that he does that in us this is a church ten people here today go around all from different backgrounds you won't find anything like this go to any other um, gathering you'll find maybe same ethnic group Mm -hmm. Thatched house maybe Nigerians maybe some other Africans not many white guys not Mm -hmm. many eastern Europeans maybe a few it's just, you know this is the, this is amazingly powerful and we've got a wonderful thing haven't we to declare we can say God has done this yeah. so let's not be ashamed of that. Let's say to our friends come to church yeah. you know you're the atheist who says it doesn't work yeah. there is no God come to church and then tell me it doesn't work because if there's harmony here between people yes we're going to fall out we're going to need to forgive one another this is about forgiveness but that is possible. And it's not possible any other way. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't happen. What you find when people hurt each other in the world without Christ is that they don't, it looks like they've they, um, got on after they've fallen out, but it's not, they've just become more distant. Yeah. So the reason they're not arguing anymore is because they don't talk. <laughs> this, is, this is what God does, and it's only what God does. Yeah. Yeah. And we can thank Him for it we're going to ask for God to continue to work that in each other's lives mm-hmm. as we play our part in the wonderful family that he's created. Yeah. And so let's pray. Mm-hmm. Father God, we thank you so much. Uh, you save people. Thank you for reconciling us with you. Though we were sinners, though we were enemies, as far from you as we could possibly be, thank you for drawing us near. here. Thank you that we can stand in your presence without fear. Thank you that our love of you, our service to you, is not a guilt thing. It's not driven by um, guilt or duty. Thank you that we can serve you willingly. And thank you that in that, that, you draw us to one another. You reconcile us to one another. All of these dividing walls that we've become so familiar with. And yet you have brought them crashing down. Thank you so much that you have done this, and that only your gospel can do this for each of us. And we pray that uh, more and more people would see the wonderful thing you have done, and it would cause them to ask, what is this? And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.